Father in heaven, thank you so much. August 31st, thank you for your word. You have magnified your word high above your name, Lord, and you have called us Christians, Lord, children of God. And we thank you for these things, Lord. Thank you that you manifest your glory in our lives, Lord. Today we're prospering. Today we receive the word of God. And Lord, we start reading the book of Job. Job 37, 1. Lord, give us ears to hear, eyes to see. Open our hearts, Lord, and the Holy Spirit come. Come, Holy Spirit. Amen. My Elihu's, my heart pounds as I think of this. It trembles within me. Listen carefully to the thunder of God's voice as it rolls from his mouth. It rolls across the heavens and his lightning flashes in every direction. Then comes the roaring of the thunder, the tremendous voice of his majesty. He does not restrain it when he speaks. God's voice is glorious in the thunder. We can't even imagine the greatness of his power. He directs the snow to fall on the earth and tells the rain to pour down. Then everyone stops working so they can watch his power. The wild animals take cover and stay inside their dens. The stormy wind comes from its chamber and the driving wind brings the cold. God's breath sends the ice, freezing wide expanses of water. He loads the clouds with moisture and they flash with his lightning. The clouds churn about at his direction. They do whatever he commands throughout the earth. He makes these things happen either to punish people or to show his unfailing love. Pay attention to this, Job. Stop and consider the wonderful miracles of God. Do you know how God controls the storm and causes the lightning to flash from his clouds? Do you understand how he moves the clouds with wonderful perfection and skill? When you are sweltering in your clothes and the south wind dies down and everything is still, he makes the skies reflect the heat like a bronze mirror. Can you do that? So teach the rest of us what to say to God. We are too ignorant to make our own arguments. Should God be notified that I want to speak? Can people even speak when they are confused? We cannot look at the sun, for it shines brightly in the sky when the wind clears away the clouds. So also golden splendor comes from the mountains of God. He is clothed with dazzling splendor. We cannot imagine the power of the Almighty, but even though he is just and righteous, he does not destroy us. No wonder people everywhere fear him. All who are wise show him reverence. Then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind. The Lord answered. Who, who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? Brace yourself like a man, because I have some questions for you, and you must answer them. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. Who determines its dimensions and stretches out the surveying line? What supports its foundations and who laid its cornerstones? As the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. 
Who kept the sea inside its boundaries at its burst from the womb? And as I clothed it with the clouds and wrapped it in thick darkness, for I locked it behind barred gates, limiting its shores. I said, This far and no farther will you come. Here you proud waters must stop. Your proud waves must stop. <clears throat> Thank you. Have you ever commanded the morning to appear and caused the dawn to rise in the east? Have you made daylight spread to the ends of the earth to bring an end to the night's wickedness? As the light approaches, the earth takes shape like clay pressed beneath a seal. It is robed in brilliant colors. The light disturbs the wicked and stops the arm that is raised in violence. Have you explored the springs from which the sea comes? Have you explored their depths? Do you know where the gates of death are located? Have you seen the gates of utter gloom? Do you realize the extent of the earth? Tell me about it if you know. Where does light come from and where does darkness go? Can you take each to its home? Do you know how to get there? But of course you know all this, for you were born before it was all created, and you are so very experienced. Have you visited the storehouses of the snow, or seen the storehouses of hail? I have reserved them as weapons for the times of trouble, for the day of battle and war. Where is the path to the source of light? Where is the home of the east wind? Who created a channel for the torrents of rain? Who laid out the path for the lightning? Who makes the rain fall on barren land in desert where no one lives? Who sends rain to satisfy the parched ground and make the tender grass springs up? Does the rain have a father? Who gives birth to the dew? Who is the mother of the ice? Who gives birth to the frost from the heavens? For the water turns to ice as hard as rock, and the surface of the water freezes. Can you direct the movement of the stars, binding the cluster of the Pleiades, or loosening the cords of Orion? Can you direct the sequence of the seasons, or guide the bear with her cubs across the heavens? Do you know the law of the universe? Can you use it to regulate the earth? Can you shoot to the shout to the clouds and make it rain? Can you make lightning appear and cause it to strike at your direct? Who gives intuition to the heart and instinct to the mind? Who is wise enough to count all the clouds? Who can tilt the water jars of heaven when the parched grounds is dry? and the soil has hardened into clods. Can you stalk prey for a lioness and satisfy the young lion's appetites? As they lie in their dens or crouch in the thicket, who provides food for the ravens when their young cry out to God and wander about in hunger? Do you know when the wild goats give birth? Have you watched as the deer are born in the wild? Do you know how many months 
they carry their young. Are you aware of the time of their delivery? They crouch down to give birth to the young and deliver their offspring. Their young grow up in the open field and leave home and never return. Who gives the wild donkey its freedom? Who untied its ropes? I have placed it in the wilderness. Its home is the wasteland. It hates the noise of the city and has no driver to shout at it. The mountains are its pasture, its pasture land, where it searches for every blade of grass. The wild ox consents to being tame. Will the wild ox consent to be tame? Will it spend the night in your stall? Can you hitch a wild ox to a plow? Will it plow a field for you? Give it strength. Given it strength, can you trust it? Can you leave and trust the ox to do your work? Can you rely on it to bring home your grain and deliver it to your threshing floor? The ostrich flaps her wings grandly, but they are no match for the feathers of the stork. She lays her eggs on top of the earth, letting them be warm in the dust. She doesn't worry that a foot might crush them or a wild animal might destroy them. She is harsh to her young as if they were not her own. She doesn't care if they die, for God has deprived her of wisdom. He has given her no understanding. But whenever she jumps up to run, she passes the Swiss's horse with his rider. Have you given the horse's strength or clothed his neck with a flowing mane? Do you give it the ability to leap like a locust? Its majestic snoring is terrifying. It paws the earth and rejoices in its strength when it charges out to battle. It laughs at fear and is unafraid. It does not run from the sword. The, the arrows rattles against it and the spear and javelin flash. It pawns the ground fiercely and rushes forward into battle when the ram's horn blows. It snorts at the sound of the horn. It senses the battle in the distance. It quivers at the captain's command and the noise of battle. Is it your wisdom that makes the hawk soar and spreads its wings towards the south? Is it at your command that the eagles rise to the heights to make its nest? It lives on the cliffs, making his home on a distant rocky crag where there is, it hunts its prey, keeping watch with piercing eyes. Its young gulp down blood. Where there's a carcass, there you'll find it. Whew! That's one of the most beautiful readings I have seen in the book of Job. I was hoping that I would read that. And because uh, it just takes me to a different world of God's, you know, finally he got tired of these people saying who, what kind of God he is. Right. Elihu pounds on this. And I think he was talking to Elihu. It doesn't sound like he was talking to Job. Elihu had just finished speaking and, and aroused Job. Then the Lord, but it says, oh, it says the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind. Mm -hmm. and, and I like what he says. He says, um, who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? 
And brace yourself like a man because I have some questions for you. Amen. Brace yourself like a man. Yeah. But he answered him from the whirlwind. Little small tornado. He's in the wind. He said he hides himself in back of the uh, the dark, the darkness, the clouds. Yeah, but these are all. I mean, these are you know even like you can almost you can almost speak these words to atheists, you know, because these are all the things that that they can visibly see, but you know. They question where it came from. You know the, the uh, everything you said about the horse is so true. A horse is it smells the leather and thin powder and it gets jazzed about war. Yeah. You know, and I guess God made it like that so He could be an assistant in fighting our enemies. Mm -hmm. It doesn't it doesn't get spooked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the scripture from from uh, Secretariat. Yeah. Would you, honey? Would you please read? Today's um, study. Okay, out of a whirlwind, God spoke, but he didn't answer <clears throat> any of Job's questions. Instead, God asked Job questions about creation. God stated that all of the forces of nature are at his command and that he can unleash or restrain them at his will. Wow, powerful. No one completely understands such common occurrences as rain or snow. And no one can command them. Only God who created them has that power. And God was not seeking answers from Job. Instead, he was getting Job to recognize and submit to God's power and sovereignty. Only then could he hear what God was really saying to him. Wow, beautiful. God used Job's ignorance of the earth's natural order to reveal his ignorance of God's moral order. If Job did not understand the workings of God's physical creation, how could he possibly understand God's mind and character? If nature is beyond our grasp, God's moral purposes may not be what we imagine either. Although we can't see it, God is divinely governing the moral and political affairs of people as well. By spending time observing the majestic and intricate parts of God's creation, we can be reminded of his power in every aspect of our lives. Amen. You know, it, it, as it, it was talking, it's kind of interesting. He says, have you visited the storehouses of the snow or seen the storehouses of hail? I have reserved them as weapons for the time of trouble, for the day of battle and war. Interesting. Yeah, interesting. Okay, so that makes sense. That's really interesting. Battle and war, you know, what are you fighting against? You know, mm -hmm. the forces of... Say some places that God beat up some of the uh, Philistines with boulders of ice. Same thing, didn't the, didn't the Egyptians also get uh, hail? Big yeah. hailstorm? So I, you know, the perspective looking at Understanding that God created all these things, He commands all these things, He's sovereign over all these things. You know, just uh, in reading it, God. to that. He handles, He handles the, you know, the rain and so forth, and the rains and the weather. So my job is, is, is I really like the way it ends because you know, in 
we have to pray for His power and the knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out is the meditation. But <clears throat> not, they don't want us to pray for our needs, but we in turn can, can deposit in our hearts desires and hopes and joys, you know, things that gives us joy, pleasantness, we can deposit in our hearts. And while we're over here praying for God's will and power, He automatically gives them to us as uh, gifts. You know, we're not we're not looking for the gift; we're looking for the power and the will of God. But at the same time, we're uh, we're con we're uh, considering joys, you know, desires, and things of pleasantness. You know, which. Uh, our Father gives us. He gives us the desires of our hearts. Amen. And we will that He will His will on people's lives. So uh, the thought came to Him that our, our job is just to worship Him and praise Him, not bring Him a request slip. And then we, we believe that Jesus, because Jesus did it, He healed this person. Jesus, in the Bible, Jesus is able to heal this person today. Yeah. He, Jesus Amen. is no different. That's right. You know, um, and our needs will be automatically filled in as we go along. We're just worshiping and praising Him and thanking Him. Jesus can do all things. Through the Father, through me, who strengthens us through Jesus Christ. Oh. Okay, would you like to read? Or you want me to go? Keep okay, going. I'll read it. Um, first, uh, 2 Corinthians 4.13. This is one of my good scriptures that I like in here. The one read that, that, you know, about the utterance of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so 2 Corinthians 4.13 to 5.10. Uh, but we, Paul, and his co-workers continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God, so I spoke. We know that God who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. All of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more, people there will be great thanksgiving. And God will receive more and more glory. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they are produced for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things... Keep going, babe. Keep reading. But the things we cannot see will last forever. For we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven and an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. We grow weary in our present bodies. And we long to put our heavenly bodies like new clothing. For we will put on heavenly bodies. We will not be spirits without bodies. 
For when we put on heavenly bodies, we will not be spirits without bodies. While we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and sigh. But it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. God himself has prepared us for this and has, and as a guarantee he has given us his Holy Spirit. So we are always confident even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies we're not at home with the Lord. For we live by believing and not by seeing. Yes, we are fully confident and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies for then we will be at home with the Lord. So whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please Him. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. Wow. Today's study, it says, uh, it says Paul had great hope for the future, and it changed how he chose to live in the present. <clears throat> In the future, he would experience glory and vastly outweighs his present troubles. But it was precisely those troubles that would produce the glory. The two things are tied together, suffering now and glory later. Suffering in the present, visible reality, glory in the future, unseen truth. Suffering is temporary, glory is forever. Paul also saw the flip side, whatever evil we have done on the earth, in this earthly body, we will also be judged by Christ. We will each receive whatever we deserve. Paul would agree with Peter's word. <clears throat> Remember, it is better to suffer for doing good, if that is what God wants, than to suffer for doing wrong. 1 Peter 3.17 For Paul, the choice was clear. Do good <clears throat> and endure the suffering, because he could see the outcome. We too need to see what eternity means for our everyday life. Our trials are opportunities for great, greater joy. They are opportunities to store treasures in heaven, Matthew 6, 19, 20. In that light, we should never stop doing good, even if suffering, even if it brings suffering. Uh, you know, because we're in love with Jesus, Suffering really doesn't hit us. Suffering doesn't really hit the Christian because you're, you know, you're reading the words of Jesus. When you're in love, you know, pe people's persecutions, people talking about you, nagging about you, or uh, we know we have a, a communication with, with our love with God and the Father, with Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Now, when situations come, we know what to do. We pray for people. We don't, we don't pick up resentments. In other words. Um, we give thanks for the situation. We turn every suffering, every situation for good by thanking God for it. What do you think? Well, I think that um, it says here, that's why, okay, because all of this is for your benefit. As God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. Uh-oh, I started in the wrong place. Um... It says, that is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. It says, for our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory 
that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix and gaze on things of above that can't be seen. For these, for the things we see now will soon be gone, and the things we cannot see will last forever. So we really have to keep our eyes in those situations affixed on the unseen realm and not the things that are visible. Well, looking unto Jesus, the mm-hmm. beginner and finisher mm-hmm. of our faith. Mm-hmm. Amen. Uh, looking unto the Word of God. Amen. His promises, quoting the Word over a problem. Amen. Thanking God that He supplies all our needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Amen. You know, just quoting the Word and fighting the, the problem with the Word. Amen. You know, we fight with the Word, with the sword of God. You know, you know God has... By his blood, we have defeated Satan by the blood of Jesus Christ and our testimony, our word. Amen. Amen. Praise God. We are. Yeah. I, I think that Joel was teaching on that today. You know, he says the things um, are subject to change. Amen. You always have to remember that. Oh, beautifully. You know, you, know, to change. you have to believe. If you say dormant and not doing things for Christ, we believe we can do better. Yeah. Subject to change. I like that. Okay, Psalm 44, 9 to 26. Pray for those faithfully enduring persecution. Plead with God for their perseverance and deliverance. Um, Psalm 44, 9 to 26. But now you, God, have tossed us aside in dishonor. You no longer lead our armies to battle. You make us retreat from our enemies and allow those who hate us to plunder our land. You butchered us like sheep and scattered us among the nations. You sold your precious people for a pittance, making nothing making nothing on the sale. <clears throat> you let our neighbors mock us. We are an object of scorn and derision to those around us. You have made us the butt of their jokes. They shake their heads at us in scorn. We can't escape the constant humiliation. Shame is written across our faces. All we hear are the taunts of our mockers. All we see are the vengeful enemies. All this has happened, though we have not forgotten you. We have not violated your covenant. Our hearts have not deserted you. We have not strayed from your path. Yet you have crushed us in the jackal's desert home. You have covered us with darkness and death. If we had forgotten the name of our God or spread our hands in prayer to foreign gods, God would surely have known it. For he knows the secrets of every heart, but for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. Wake up, O Lord. Why do you sleep? Get up. Do not reject us forever. Why do you look the other way? Why do you ignore our suffering and oppression? We collapse in the dust, lying face down in the dirt. Rise up. Help us. Ransom us because of your unfailing love. In Proverbs 22:13 says, The lazy person claims there's a lion out there. If I go outside, I might be killed. Amen. Father in heaven, thank you so much. August 31st, thank you for your word. You have magnified your word. High above your name, Lord, and you have called us Christians, Lord, children of God. And we thank you for these things, Lord. Thank you that you manifest your glory in our lives, Lord. 
Today we're prospering. Today we receive the Word of God. And Lord, we start reading the book of Job. Job 37, 1. Lord, give us ears to hear, eyes to see. Open our hearts, Lord, and the Holy Spirit come. Come, Holy Spirit. Amen. My Elihu's, my heart pounds as I think of this. It trembles within me. Listen carefully to the thunder of God's voice as it rolls from his mouth. It rolls across the heavens and his lightning flashes in every direction. Then comes the roaring of the thunder, the tremendous voice of his majesty. He does not restrain it when he speaks. God's voice is glorious in the thunder. We can't even imagine the greatness of his power. He directs the snow to fall on the earth and tells the rain to pour down. Then everyone stops working so they can watch his power. The wild animals take cover and stay inside their dens. The stormy wind comes from its chamber and the driving wind brings the cold. God's breath sends the ice, freezing wide expanses of water. He loads the clouds with moisture and they flash with his lightning. The clouds churn about at his direction. They do whatever he commands throughout the earth. He makes these things happen either to punish people or to show his unfailing love. Pay attention to this, Job. Stop and consider the wonderful miracles of God. Do you know how God controls the storm and causes the lightning to flash from his clouds? Do you understand how he moves the clouds with wonderful perfection and skill? When you are sweltering in your clothes and the south wind dies down and everything is still, he makes the skies reflect the heat like a bronze mirror. Can you do that? So teach the rest of us what to say to God. We are too ignorant to make our own arguments. Should God be notified that I want to speak? Can people even speak when they are confused? We cannot look at the sun, for it shines brightly in the sky when the wind clears away the clouds. So also golden splendor comes from the mountains of God. He is clothed with dazzling splendor. We cannot imagine the power of the Almighty, but even though He is just and righteous, He does not destroy us. No wonder people everywhere fear Him. All who are wise show Him reverence. Then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind. The Lord answered. Who, who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? Brace yourself like a man, because I have some questions for you, and you must answer them. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. Who determined its dimensions and stretched out the surveying line? What supports its foundations and who laid its cornerstones? As the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. Who kept the sea inside its boundaries at its burst from the womb? And as I clothed it with the clouds and wrapped it in thick darkness... For I locked it behind barred gates, limiting its shores. I said, This far and no farther will you come. Here you proud waters must stop. Your proud waves must stop. <clears throat> Thank you. 
Have you ever commanded the morning to appear and caused the dawn to rise in the east? Have you made daylight spread to the ends of the earth to bring an end to the night's wickedness? As the light approaches, the earth takes shape like clay pressed beneath a seal. It is robed in brilliant colors. The light disturbs the wicked and stops the arm that is raised in violence. Have you explored the springs from which the sea comes? Have you explored their depths? Do you know where the gates of death are located? Have you seen the gates of utter gloom? Do you realize the extent of the earth? Tell me about it if you know. Where does light come from and where does darkness go? Can you take each to its home? Do you know how to get there? But of course you know all this, for you were born before it was all created, and you are so very experienced. Have you visited the storehouses of the snow, or seen the storehouses of hail? I have reserved them as weapons for the times of trouble, for the day of battle and war. Where is the path to the source of light? Where is the home of the east wind? Who created a channel for the torrents of rain? Who laid out the path for the lightning? Who makes the rain fall on barren land, in desert where no one lives? Who sends rain to satisfy the parched ground and make the tender grass springs up? Does the rain have a father? Who gives birth to the dew? Who is the mother of the ice? Who gives birth to the frost from the heavens? For the water turns to ice as hard as rock, and the surface of the water freezes. Can you direct the movement of the stars, binding the cluster of the Pleiades, or loosening the cords of Orion? Can you direct the sequence of the seasons, or guide the bear with her cubs across the heavens? Do you know the law of the universe? Can you use it to regulate the earth? Can you shoot to the shout to the clouds and make it rain? Can you make lightning appear and cause it to strike at your direct? Who gives intuition to the heart and instinct to the mind? Who is wise enough to count all the clouds? Who can tilt the water jars of heaven when the parched grounds is dry? and the soil has hardened into clods. Can you stalk prey for a lioness and satisfy the young lion's appetites? As they lie in their dens or crouch in the thicket, who provides food for the ravens when their young cry out to God and wander about in hunger? Do you know when the wild goats give birth? Have you watched as the deer are born in the wild? Do you know how many months they carry their young? Are you aware of the time of their delivery? They crouch down to give birth to the young and deliver their offspring. Their young grow up in the open field and leave home and never return. Who gives the wild donkey its freedom? Who untied its ropes? I have placed it in the wilderness. Its home is the wasteland. 
It hates the noise of the city and has no driver to shout at it. The mountains are its pasture, its pasture land, where it searches for every blade of grass. The wild ox consents to being tamed. Will the wild ox consent to be tamed? Will it spend the night in your stall? Can you hitch a wild ox to a plow? Will it plow a field for you? Give it strength. Given it strength, can you trust it? Can you leave and trust the ox to do your work? Can you rely on it to bring home your grain and deliver it to your threshing floor? The ostrich flaps her wings grandly, but they are no match for the feathers of the stork. She lays her eggs on top of the earth, letting them be warm in the dust. She doesn't worry that a foot might crush them or a wild animal might destroy them. She is harsh to her young as if they were not her own. She doesn't care if they die, for God has deprived her of wisdom. He has given her no understanding. But whenever she jumps up to run, she passes the Swiss's horse with his rider. Have you given the horse's strength or clothed his neck with a flowing mane? Do you give it the ability to leap like a locust? Its majestic snoring is terrifying. It paws the earth and rejoices in its strength when it charges out to battle. It laughs at fear and is unafraid. It does not run from the sword. The, the arrows rattles against it and the spear and javelin flash. It paws the ground fiercely and rushes forward into battle when the ram's horn blows. It snorts at the sound of the horn. It senses the battle in the distance. It quivers at the captain's command and the noise of battle. Is it your wisdom that makes the hawk soar and spreads its wings towards the south? Is it at your command that the eagles rise to the heights to make its nest? It lives on the cliffs, making his home on a distant rocky crag where there is, it hunts its prey, keeping watch with piercing eyes. Its young gulp down blood, where there's a carcass, there you'll find it. Whew! That was one of the most beautiful readings I have seen in the book of Job. I was hoping that I would read that. And, because uh, it just takes me to a different world of God's, you know, finally he got tired of these people saying who, what kind of God he is. Right. Elihu pounds on this. And I think he was talking to Elihu. It doesn't sound like he was talking to Job. Elihu had just finished speaking and, and aroused Job. Then the Lord, but it says, oh, it says the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind. Mm-hmm. And, and I like what he says. He says, um, Who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? Embrace yourself like a man because I have some questions for you. Amen. Brace yourself like a man. Yeah. But he answered him from the whirlwind. A little small tornado. He's in the wind. He said he hides himself in back of the uh, the dark. 
darkness, the clouds. Yeah, but these are all, I mean, these are, you know, even, like, you can almost, you can almost speak these words to atheists, you know, because these are all the things that, that they can visibly see, but, you know, they question where it came from. You know, the, the, the everything you said about the horse is so true. A horse, is, it smells the leather and thin powder, and then you get jazzed about war. Yeah. You know, and I guess God made it like that so he could be an assistant in fighting our enemies. Mm-hmm. It doesn't It doesn't get spooked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the scripture from, Je- from uh, Secretariat. Yeah. Would you, honey, would you please read today's... Uh, Study. Okay, out of a whirlwind, God spoke, but he didn't answer <clears throat> any of Job's questions. Instead, God asked Job questions about creation. God stated that all of the forces of nature are at his command and that he can unleash or restrain them at his will. Wow, powerful. No one completely understands such common occurrences as rain or snow. And no one can command them. Only God who created them has that power. And God was not seeking answers from Job. Instead, he was getting Job to recognize and submit to God's power and sovereignty. Only then could he hear what God was really saying to him. Wow, beautiful. God used Job's ignorance of the earth's natural order to reveal his ignorance of God's moral order. If Job did not understand the workings of God's physical creation, how could he possibly understand God's mind and character? If nature is beyond our grasp, God's moral purposes may not be what we imagine either. Although we can't see it, God is divinely governing the moral and political affairs of people as well. By spending time observing the majestic and intricate parts of God's creation, we can be reminded of his power in every aspect of our lives. Amen. You know, it, it, as it, it was talking, it's kind of interesting. He says, have you visited the storehouses of the snow or seen the storehouses of hail? I have reserved them as weapons for the time of trouble, for the day of battle and war. Interesting. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Okay, very good. Okay, so that makes sense. It's really interesting. Battle and war, you know, what are you fighting against? You mm-hmm. know, the forces of... So, so places that God beat up some of the uh, Philistines with boulders of ice. Same thing, didn't the, didn't the Egyptians also get uh, hail? Big yeah. storm? So I, you know, the perspective, looking at... Understanding that God created all these things, He commands all these things, He's sovereign over all these things. You know, just uh, in reading it, God. to that. He handles, He handles the, you know, the rain and so forth, and the rains and the weather. So my job is, is, is I really like the way it ends because you know, in we have to pray for His power and the knowledge of His will for us, and the power to carry that out, is a meditation. But not, they don't want us to pray for our needs, but we in turn can, can deposit in our hearts desires and hopes and joys, you know, things that gives us joy, 
pleasantness we can deposit in our hearts. And while we're over here praying for God's will and power, He automatically gives them to us as uh, gifts. You know, we're not we're not looking for the gift; we're looking for the power and the will of God. But at the same time, we're uh, we're con- we're uh, are considering joys, you know, desires, and things of pleasantness, you know, which uh, our Father gives us. He gives us the desires of our hearts. Amen. And we will that He will His will on people's lives. So uh, the thought came to Him that our, our job is just to worship Him and praise Him, not bring Him a request slip. And then we, we believe that Jesus, because Jesus did it, He healed this person. Jesus, in the Bible, Jesus is able to heal this person today. Yeah. Jesus Amen. is no different. That's right. You know, um, and our needs will be automatically filled in as we go along. It's just worshiping and praising Him and thanking Him. Jesus can do all things. Through the Father, through me, who strengthens us through Jesus Christ. Oh. Okay, would you like to read? Or you want me to go? Keep going. Second Corinthians four thirteen. This is one of my good scriptures that I like in here. The one where that, that you know about the utterance of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so Second Corinthians four thirteen to five ten. Uh, but we, Paul and his co-workers, continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God, so I spoke. We know that God who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. All of this is for your benefit, and as God's grace reaches more and more, people there will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory that is why we never give up though our bodies are dying our spirits are being renewed every day for our present troubles are small and won't last very long yet they are produced for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever so we don't look at the troubles we can see now Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things... Keep going, babe. Keep reading. But the things we cannot see will last forever. For we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is when we die and leave this earthly body. We will have a house in heaven and an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. We grow weary in our present bodies. And we long to put our heavenly bodies like new clothing. For we will put on heavenly bodies. We will not be spirits without bodies. For when we put on heavenly bodies, we will not be spirits without bodies. While we live in these earthly bodies, we groan and sigh, but it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. God himself has prepared us for this and has, and as a guarantee, he has given us 
His Holy Spirit. So we are always confident even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we're not at home with the Lord. For we live by believing and not by seeing. Yes, we are fully confident and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies. For then we will be at home with the Lord. So whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please Him. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. Wow. Today's study, it says, uh, it says, Paul had great hope for the future, and it changed how he chose to live in the present. In the future, he would experience glory and vastly outweighs his present troubles. But it was precisely those troubles that would produce the glory. The two things are tied together, suffering now and glory later. Suffering in the present, visible reality, glory in the future, unseen truth. Suffering is temporary, glory is forever. Paul also saw the flip side. Whatever evil we have done on the earth, in this earthly body, we will also be judged by Christ. We will each receive whatever we deserve. Paul would agree with Peter's word. <clears throat> Remember, it is better to suffer for doing good, if that is what God wants, than to suffer for doing wrong. 1 Peter 3.17 For Paul, the choice was clear. Do good <clears throat> and endure the suffering, because he could see the outcome. We too need to see what eternity means for our everyday life. Our trials are opportunities for great, greater joy. They are opportunities to store treasures in heaven, Matthew 6, 19, 20. In that light, we should never stop doing good, even if suffering, even if it brings suffering. Um, you know, because we're in love with Jesus, suffering really doesn't hit us. Suffering doesn't really hit the Christian, because you're, you know, you're reading the words of Jesus. When you're in love, you know, pe people's persecutions, people talking about you, nagging about you. or uh, We know we have a, a communication with, with our love with God and the Father, with Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Now, when situations come, we know what to do. We pray for people. We don't, we don't pick up resentments. In other words, um, we give thanks for the situation. We turn every suffering, every situation for good by thanking God for it. What do you think? Well, I think that um, it says here, that's why, okay, because all of this is for your benefit. As God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. Uh-oh, I started in the wrong place. Um, it says, that is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. It says, for our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix and gaze on things of above that can't be seen. For, these, for the things we see now will soon be gone and the things we cannot see will last forever. So we really have to keep our eyes in those situations affixed on the unseen realm 
and not the things that are visible. Well, the, looking unto Jesus, the mm -hmm. beginner and finisher mm -hmm. of our faith. Mm -hmm. Amen. Uh, looking unto the Word of God. Amen. His promises, quoting the Word over a problem. Amen. Thanking God that He supplies all our needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Amen. You know, just quoting the Word and fighting the, the problem with the Word. Amen. You know, we fight with the Word, with the sword of God. You know, you know God has... By his blood, we have defeated Satan by the blood of Jesus Christ and our testimony, our word. Amen. Amen. Praise God. We are. Yeah. I, I think that Joel was teaching on that today. You know, he says the things um, are subject to change. Amen. You always have to remember that. Oh, beautifully. You know, subject you know, to change. You have to believe. If you stay dormant and not doing things for Christ, we believe we can do better. Yeah. Subject to change. I like that. Okay, Psalm 44, 9 to 26. Pray for those faithfully enduring persecution. Plead with God for their perseverance and deliverance. Um, Psalm 44, 9 to 26. But now you, God, have tossed us aside in dishonor. You no longer lead our armies to battle. You make us retreat from our enemies. And allow those who hate us to plunder our land. You butchered us like sheep and scattered us among the nations. You sold your precious people for a pittance, making nothing, making nothing on the sale. <clears throat> you let our neighbors mock us. We are an object of scorn and derision to those around us. You have made us the butt of their jokes. They shake their heads at us in scorn. We can't escape the constant humiliation. Shame is written across our faces. All we hear are the taunts of our mockers. All we see are the vengeful enemies. All this has happened, though we have not forgotten you. We have not violated your covenant. Our hearts have not deserted you. We have not strayed from your path. Yet you have crushed us in the jackal's desert home. You have covered us with darkness and death. If we had forgotten the name of our God or spread our hands in prayer to foreign gods, God would surely have known it. For he knows the secrets of every heart, but for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. Wake up, O Lord, why do you sleep? Get up, do not reject us forever. Why do you look the other way? Why do you ignore our suffering and oppression? We collapse in the dust, lying face down in the dirt. Rise up. Help us. Ransom us because of your unfailing love. And Proverbs 22.13 says, The lazy person claims there's a lion out there. If I go outside, I might be killed. Amen. 